folks, it is that time again. This back is to the future. No, not quite. Although we are covering Back to the Future uh, here on talking about my generation, we are going to be covering this time around. Normally, we cover movies, video games, television shows type stuff. Although we've been lax on video games, but we're going to be kind of covering all of that today when we talk about what's coming up next week, or actually what's coming up in the next couple of days because of when this will air. Uh, we are going to be discussing the end-all, be-all of conventions. Transformers <laughs> uh, BotCon. I wish. I, I really wish we could get some of the people from Transformers BotCon here, but no. Uh, no, well, depends on which ones you get. But yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no, this this is the big one, the big enchilada for pop culture. Las Vegas Comic Con? <sighs> don't start. Don't start. <laughs> I really don't want this thing to move there. That would be the best place for it. Fuck you. <laughs> no, serious. <laughs> no, it would not. No, yes, it would, because then Jeff Dunham would be Jeff Dunham and Walter would be right. Oh, yeah, bring all the kids to Vegas, because kids love whores. Yeah. <laughs> now, we're going to be covering the San Diego Comic-Con 2015. Uh, I was lucky enough to get passes this year for for all five days. Preview night, Friday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, so I will be taking my wife and going down there and sharing some of my experiences with you guys. But Mike and I are going to discuss kind of what we're looking at, some of the big things that are expected to come out of Comic-Con this year. Uh, I think the first thing we need to mention is the first big thing that never went to Comic-Con 2015, which is Marvel. <laughs> yeah, that was that is kind of a big thing. Uh, Marvel will Marvel Entertainment will be there. Sort of. They're going to have a booth on the inter on the exhibit hall floor. Uh, they'll probably, you know, be giving away stuff. Stan Lee is supposed to show up and sign at the booth type stuff. Uh, okay, that's another thing we got to mention. You know, we wish Stan all the best because I saw reports that he got hospitalized recently. Yeah. Yeah. So he may or may not make it this year. I'm hoping, you know, I mean, I, I've, okay. And I, I need to clarify that for the audience. I'm not saying he may or may not live. I'm saying he may or may not make it to the convention. This yes. Year. As of, as of when this recording is happening, he is slated to make appearances and signings, limited signings in the autograph area on Saturday and Sunday. I believe it is. I'd have to go back and check, but that said, the man is getting up there. Uh, I want to say he was in his late 80s when I met him back in 2008. So, you know, he's pushing it. <laughs> he's, what, 90-something now? Yeah. You know, just uh, he, he still, I, I still can't get over the fact that he's still going, you know, to Excelsior and all that. We see him acting in a lot of the Marvel movies. You know, he always has his cameo role, but damn. Yeah. He's 92 years old right now. Jesus. If the man makes it eight more years, he will be the oldest living comic book creator, most likely. Yeah. If he's not already right now. Good God. Let's hope he let's hope he can. I, I would love to see him make it to his hundredth. Uh, but yeah, there 
This is going to be an interesting Comic-Con. Um, several things uh, several things are happening here that are being kicked around. First off, this here is one of the first ones where we're going to start seeing a lot of panels and exhibits happening outside of the convention center itself. Uh, Comic-Con has, in previous years, had spillover outside. There is a park right out in front of the convention center, they spill out there. They spill out into the back behind the convention center. A lot of the hotels around the area have started having their own little conventions that they do. Uh, Nerd HQ always shows up, and they tend to get a location downtown in Gaslamp, and you know they rent out a place and have their convention, if you will, like you know smaller meet and greet type things. Right. Uh, God, I'm trying to think that, you know, there's uh true TV was there a couple of years ago and they had bought out or they had uh, rented advertising space at the broken yoke. Uh, I, I have no idea. Okay. Don't get me wrong. I watch true TV every now and then true TV. For those people that don't know is a television channel that actually used to be court TV. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And True TV now is all about reality, you know, top 20 most shocking, uh, impractical jokers, bait car, all that kind of crazy, unlaw abiding kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, and I like certain shows on True TV, but after a while, there's only so many times I can see the same damn episodes over and well, over and over again. And the, the thing is, is that they'll show like, the, the the things that I love that they show on there, and I'm using this love in a very sarcastic manner. Yeah, air, air quotes, people, air quotes. Yes. <laughs> uh, it will be that you'll see, like, uh, the 20 most shocking home videos of fires or explosions, and then you'll see that there, and then you'll see, uh, you know, 20 most shocking natural disasters, and then you'll see clips from that 20 shocking explosions or whatever You'll see some stuff from there being spotted in the natural disasters. It's it's the reused crap that they put together. I, I don't know why True TV shows up, but they do, and they buy advertising, and places are like, "Hey, great." <laughs> I can understand why. Obviously, the big networks do. I can understand why TBS, TNT, USA, right, uh, A and E. Well, not necessarily A and E, but. Um, um, AMC, AMC uh, you know, I understand why all of those networks do, but why does True TV need a presence at, at San Diego Comic Con? That makes absolutely zero sense to me whatsoever. I, I, I know it's probably a marketing thing for them, but like, who in their right mind is going to look at the San Diego Comic Con schedule and like, ooh, True TV is going to be there Friday night? Wow, yay! I'm going just to go see that. No, you fucking are not. Stop lying. Exactly. <laughs> you know, the, there there are, are a lot of cool things that do happen outside of it. Uh, for example, last year they had, they, they actually had a really cool arcade that was over at the Hard Rock Hotel. Mm -hmm. And it was all set up for the Pixels movie. And basically they gave you a couple tokens and you got to play. And if you got a high score, uh, they gave you a shot. Basically, they were they were giving away at the end of the weekend a walk on roll into the movie, mm -hmm. uh, but you had to you had to play like all these arcade games and be the top in in almost all of them type thing. So, wow, this thing hasn't even 
It doesn't come out until the 24th of this month. I was like, because, you know, I've heard you mention, I've heard other people mention the Pixels movie that's coming out this year. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking it already came out. And it it's just one of those things that, that, that I've found this year with films. One movie will come out. You'll Everybody will be talking about it for two weeks. After that, no, like, Avengers, Ultron who? Honestly, as soon as yeah. Jurassic World hit, it was Ultron who? I yeah. mean, it, it made no damn sense. I mean, I can understand something like a lot of people aren't into the Furious movies, which is fine. That, you know, whatever. But it's just one of those things now where it's like, I thought Pixels had already come out and everybody forgot about it. And it turns <laughs> out I was wrong. No, but seriously. Yeah, look, no, I get it. <laughs> look, look at the animation landscape we have this year. We just had Inside Out come out. Mm-hmm. In a couple of weeks, we've got Minions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't wait to go before Gru. I just can't wait. That's going to be so awesome. As much as I love Despicable Me 1 and 2 for what they are, I am so stoked to see the Minions movie and see how, if they can actually interact and do things on their own. And that's the Minions honestly were a big draw for me when it came to Despicable Me, Despicable me 1 and 2 because I am not a huge Steve Carell fan at all. I honestly think Despicable Me... One and two are the only two films I can ever watch over and over again of his. I hate him as an actor, except for when he's voicing Gru. Yeah. Um, but, like, my, my point here is we've got Inside Out, Minions, and now Pixels, and it's like, wow, it's going to be crazy. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, that, and that's just animation. And, and, and I'm sorry I misspoke. People will yell at me. It's not, Pixels is not animation, apparently. It's a science fiction action comedy. So it's not actually animation. The well, and the best part of it, from what I've seen from that film, is that we're going to see Peter Dinklage in the film. (laughs) Okay, Adam Sandler is supposed to be one of the big draws. Uh, No, Littlefinger. I want a I want a (laughs) pixelated version of Adam Sandler and Bob Barker. The Price is Wrong, bitch. Oh God. but yeah, there there are some things that I'm I'm looking forward to. It a uh, couple of things I want to get out there up front. If you are listening to this podcast and you are going to Comic-Con, number 1, bring deodorant. Yes. Bring <laughs> deodorant. Maybe not necessarily for you. Bring deodorant for other people. Okay, you, you know how people used to say and I the, the, the kids today, I don't know if they still say this. When I was in high school, my junior and senior year, we were always asked for the yearbook those two years what we, you know, what what our one wish to ha- something to have after we graduated. And a few people always used the thing, a duffel bag filled with 10s and 20s. <laughs> okay. So for Comic-Con folks, you need every single person that goes to this thing. You all need to bring one duffel bag just filled with various deodorants for everybody. Yes. And I'm not kidding. It's not even a joke. It no, it's not really. I mean, I mean, I'm I'm smiling and I'm you know kind of chuckling at it and and you know making fun of it a little bit. But it's one of those things where it is no joke because once you get what's the average attendance five hundred thousand uh, over four over the four days of actual Comic Con, not counting preview night, mm-hmm. they have three hundred thousand people roll through there. Yeah, three hundred thousand people in a venue that's probably what. 5,000 square feet? Uh, no, it, it's bigger than that. It, it's okay. 10,000 square feet yeah. just to round it out. Yeah. Okay. 
I mean, you it, take it, three hundred thousand and put them into a ten thousand square foot building. You're gonna need a lot of deodorant. Yeah, it's. I mean, even with the air conditioners going full blast, it's still <sighs> okay. I, you know, I will be honest. I know I sweat. I know I stink sometimes. I carry my deodorant with me because I don't want to be that guy who's walking around and, you know, I got the stink going on and people are just looking at me like, oh, God. You know, it, it's one of those things. Seriously. Degree. Two years ago, actually. <laughs> oh, God, it was a blessing. It was a blessing. They were handing out free sticks of deodorant to people outside the comic convention. And people were grabbing it up and like, oh, my God, thank you. It was it was the best marketing scheme that they could have done. Uh, you, you know, I was like, OK, it works. Guess what? I'm going to be buying the degree from now on. OK, here's here's the thing. You know how I questioned a moment ago about why True TV needs a spot at Comic-Con? Yeah. Every single deodorant company, whether it's one company that owns various deodorant products, like, you know, um, they always say Speed Stick is by Menin or something. Or the Speed Stick ads used to say Speed Stick by Menin or whatever the hell it was. Yeah. Every single deodorant company, Comic-Con needs to employ them all. Yeah. Honestly, for that entire weekend. <laughs> you guys want some money. Sponsor Comic-Con. I'm not <laughs> shitting you. I bet your listeners are like, why are they so stuck on the damn deodorant? Because it's true, people. Yeah, it's, it, it is. Comic-Con, if you've heard the old uh, Twilight Zone about it being a thing of sight, sound, and mind. <laughs> okay, this is sight, sound, mind, and smell. Smell, <laughs> yeah. Okay, it's, please. That's, that's rule number one. Uh, one of the new things that they added, though, this year... If you have a selfie stick, leave it at home. It will not be permitted to be carried around. Part of the reason for this is that in previous years, people had, last year they had people who had selfie sticks. It was some of the new thing, that or sticks with GoPros on them. Okay, you couldn't walk five feet without somebody smacking you in the head with a damn stick with a GoPro on it. Oh, jeez. It was it was bad. They finally said, you know what? Screw this. We're not allowing this next year. Selfie sticks have been banned from Comic-Con. Just like they've been banned from Disneyland, Comic-Con has banned them as well. Please do not bring them. You want to get a picture? Stand up and hold your camera up. If you can't get a good enough shot, tough shit. Mm -hmm. All right. Sorry, folks. I'm being a little pissy about that. That, that rolls into the next rule that I have. If you are dressing in costume, as I will be, mm -hmm. I will be dressing up as Wilson Fisk from Netflix's Daredevil. But <laughs> if so, if you guys see me, you know, come say hi, whatever. But if you are dressing up and people want to take your picture, don't stand in the middle of the fucking aisle. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All you do is you block the aisle. You can be asked to leave. People have. They've been told, mm -hmm. if you want to take pictures, go outside from the exhibit hall and stand outside. They have no problem with that. I have no problem with that if you want to stand outside. Otherwise, step to the side of the aisle if somebody's trying to get a quick picture of you. That's all we ask. Let the traffic go past you. Don't block the aisles. Start blocking yeah. the aisles. The fire marshal will shut down the thing. It doesn't get pretty. <laughs> 
<sighs> oh god, all I can think of is um a movie from about 15 years ago now. That guy just ordered water, you know what to do. Oh god. That's the fire marshal. Now Jersey, you have to make me $250 in the next 2 hours. This coyote yeah. ugly. <laughs> yes. So just so you guys kind of get an idea of what what goes on with that, you know, that that's basically the big rules that you want to pay attention to. Uh, you know, if you're not sure about line, most of the time you can stop and ask somebody, what are you in line for? They'll tell you and you can get in line. Pay attention to the lines. Pay attention where they're going. A lot of times the lines will end up blocking exits and the security will tell you that you can't block an exit and to please move. If you're sitting up against a wall that says no standing or no sitting here, don't stand or sit there. They mean it. Okay, all it means to us, I have pictures of illiterate idiots who are standing right under the signs that say no standing, no sitting. You know, it's like, hello, you guys are fucking idiots. That's crazy. So, now that we've gotten all the bitching out of the way... (laughs) Comic-Con is a fun place to go. Uh, It is absolutely crazy for anybody who hasn't been. It is wall-to-wall people, as we said. 300,000 people come through, come through the, throughout the weekend. So it's, you know, it gets crazy. Crossing the street gets crazy. But everybody who's there generally is in a good mood. Nobody is, you know, you, you generally don't see people getting into fights with the exception of one year when some guy got stabbed by a compass in the Kevin Smith panel. Yes, it happened. And I'm not talking about a compass like what you use to find direction. I'm talking about the thing that you use to draw a circle. Somebody actually had one in their bag, reached out and stabbed some guy in his cheek with it. All I could think of now that you've clarified that, fucking Tracer. Yes. <laughs> yes, you know, and I think Kevin Smith even said something to that effect of like, oh, shit, don't, you know, don't pull out any weapons. You know, we don't want anybody to get stabbed with a compass again, <laughs> you know, but um, we will. There will be some good things. Uh, I know a lot of people are really crazy about going to see the big panels in Hall H in Ballroom 20. Okay, these have been for the past probably five years or so, I'm going to say five, six years. Anything major happens in those panels, in those rooms. Mm -hmm. Here's the problem with it. The rooms don't get cleared after every session. So if you are standing outside waiting in line, it's quite possible that you may not get into the next panel. (laughs) Okay, just, you know, I want to make you guys aware of that. And this happens regardless of which panel you're going into. I got screwed out of going to see, I know, that voice a couple years back. Mm -hmm. Uh, So with that in mind, you might want to plan sitting through a couple panels if you're going to be watching, if you want to see a particular panel. Uh, The big one, obviously, on, oh, what is it? Friday, I think it is. Let me see. Where's my notes? Uh, The big one, excuse me, Thursday, that all the tweens are going to be sitting out there to watch. Jennifer Lawrence, I'm sure, is probably going to make an appearance for the Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 2. 
So, if the movie still hasn't come out yet, I thought we were no. done with the Hunger Games crap by now. Well, if you are like me and don't give a shit about Jennifer Lawrence, other than to think that she's a hot chick and that's about it, <laughs> go walk the hall. Go see another <laughs> panel. You're probably not going to get in unless you camped out the night before because that's the kind of idiots who wait in line to see Jennifer Lawrence on stage. Mm-hmm. Honestly, if you are in Hall H, you are probably going to be looking at a screen and not actually being able to see them except for something that looks like a little teeny tiny ant way at the other end of the of the room. Okay? Have, I know we're going over the schedule and everything else, but I just have this question now that I saw a certain logo um, that's supposedly going to be featured at, uh, well, they're Comic-Con sponsors. and I see the peacock here. And I'm thinking, oh, no. Have there ever been any people that crash Comic-Con that do it in a negative way? Oh, yeah. Okay, because all as I can think of is the most current news in our, you know, potential future president, Mr. Donald Trump, crashing Comic-Con because NBC is a sponsor of Comic-Con because of that old debacle with him and NBC and whatever else, because yeah. it's just crazy. Well, let me give you some ideas of, of things that have happened since you mentioned bad publicity in a sense. <laughs> a couple years ago, uh, before, God, what was it? I, Kevin Smith had showed up at Comic-Con. Okay. <laughs> Everybody yeah. who knows Kevin Smith knows he can be a little rough around the edges with, you know, very coarse with his language and his attitude. Mm-hmm. The Westboro Baptist Church. I think I remember this. They decided they were going to go out and try to protest at I Comic-Con. Remember, I remember this happening. I remember because I think this was what, 2012? I, I think so. I think so. So. Okay, so I remember this, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I do remember this because I believe at the time that they were doing this, I was in a six-hour recording session with the guys from TFRadio.net, Radio Free Cybertron, the original Transformers radio show since 1999, Brian Kilby and his crew. We were reacting to this as it happened because we were podcasting for six and a half hours on the Saturday when it happened. Yes. <laughs> they stood outside. People, people came out and mocked. <laughs> they mocked the Westboro Baptist Church. You know, they had signs out there. People were, you know, the Westboro Baptist Church is saying, God hates comics, you know, and people were saying, you know, that like, oh, God will smite you. And people were saying, really? My God is Thor. Thor ain't going to smite me. Thor <laughs> saved New York. <laughs> you know, so I mean, there there was all sorts of stuff going on and, and just funny shit. People were pulling out. You know, a couple of guys dressed up as Bender and, and some of the Futurama crew and were standing around making fun of all the Westboro Baptist Church people. And the West, I, Westboro Baptists got tired of it after about a half hour and left. <laughs> I was really hoping that year that someone – actually, I was really hoping that Peter McNichol would have crashed the, <laughs> crashed the, the, um, the protest and say, he is Vigo. He is coming. I just <laughs> – <laughs> Oh, 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 that would have been great. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they, you know, just the, things like that have happened in the past. Uh, we have seen, you know, guests show up. So my point in even asking all of this is because if, for those of you who are living under a rock, Donald Trump is running for president next year. 
he, well, he's one of the candidates potentially running for president next year. And I, I gotta say that I'm not a political guy whatsoever. I believe that all politicians are corrupt. Um, I believe when I originally registered to vote oh so long ago, I registered as a Democrat, but whatever, I really have no allegiance to either whatever, you know, um, but it's one of those things where the 2008 election when Obama won, and I still maintain what I saw on a bumper sticker about four years ago, one big ass mistake, America. Yep. Um, <laughs> Um, when Obama won, it just seemed like that election was so boring. Whereas the new election coming up next year, it seems like a lot of stuff's going to go down because you got a Clinton, you got a Bush, you got a Trump. Between those three families, you know the shit's going to hit the fan. Yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. <laughs> All we need now is the Palins. Oh, I, I'm sorry. Oh God. <laughs> So, moving back to Comic-Con. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 that's fine. Uh, there are, you know, like I said, the Hall H, we've got a bunch of shit that's going to be going on there. Uh, I, I already mentioned our big Hunger Games bullshit, which I'm avoiding. Uh, Thursday, we'll also have Doctor Who, uh, for those who are Whovians. I wouldn't mind going to that, but at the same time, most of the shit that's going to be shown in there, I'm. it's going to end up on YouTube somehow, even though people aren't supposed to record it. It's going to be for a 10-second clip that I really don't care. I'm going to see it elsewhere later on. You know, probably three to six months later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is another good one that's showing up in Hall H. Scooby-Doo and Kiss are going to have the rock and roll mystery movie that's coming out okay so <laughs> yeah <laughs> they, oh, no, no, no. in the past few years they had that series um scooby-doo mystery mystery incorporated because art director for from transformers animated Derek j wyatt was working on that and that lasted a few seasons scooby-doo has been an i whether you let, love the dog, hate the dog, whether you like Scrappy, whether you want to kick Scrappy to the curb, Scooby-Doo has been around since 1969 in one form or another. Whether it be Scooby-Doo movies, whether it be Scooby-Doo cartoon series, it doesn't matter. It's been around for a number of years. At this point, Scooby-Doo is the overall cartoon franchise for Scooby-Doo is 46 fucking years old. Yeah. So... Recently, they have been doing these animated team-up movies with various. They had Scooby-Doo meets, you know, Scooby-Doo goes to WrestleMania or whatever with the with the WWE. Yeah, I just saw an ad either on Boomerang or on Cartoon Network that they're going to have a new Scooby-Doo cartoon series, Scooby-Doo and Bugs Bunny. What? Yeah, huh? you haven't heard <sighs> about this, have you? No, I just saw this. Um, that they are gonna have uh, Scooby Doo in a Bugs Bunny cartoon series. Um, I'm trying to find more information on it now. Uh, uh, this was from Variety. It is um, trying to find the date on the article, June 29th. So this is a few days ago. And uh, sorry to 
ruin the Comic-Con discussion Oh, no, that's here. fine. <laughs> Time Warner is banking on some of its oldest stars to breathe new life into cable network that has aired only reruns over the course of its 15-year history. Scooby-Doo first appeared on TV in 1969 and Bugs Bunny debuted in uh, 1938 and 1940. But the company believes that the two characters have enough strength in their limbs to carry a retooled version of Boomerang, the kids' network that is part of Time Warner's Turner unit to levels in an extreme competitive area. Sister unit Warner Brothers will develop 450 half-hours of original programming for Boomerang in an agreement that marks the first time the original programming has been developed exclusively for the network, which was born out of programming block on, on Turner's Cartoon Network in the 1990s. Uh, Time Warner in October said it would relaunch Boomerang, blah, 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 blah. In recent months, Walt Disney has announced a slate of new offerings of both characters from Disney and Lucasfilm. Uh, under the terms of the agreement, Boomerang will have expanded access to series from portfolio of content created. Uh, it's not giving me any real... It just says that it's going to be Scooby-Doo and Bugs Bunny here. He, the, the guy that wrote this, Brian St uh, Steinberg of uh, Senior TV Editor over Variety, he didn't really say anything about the, what the actual show is going to be, but I remember seeing an advertisement for this. Um, let me see if Spinoff says anything else about it. Uh, according to the Wall Street Journal, it is a part of a larger deal. Um I don't know. But yeah, I, I saw an ad for this the other day and I'm like, wait, seriously, Scooby Drum Bugs. I don't have a problem with it. We didn't we didn't have a problem with it when, you know, Mickey and Bugs met up in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I think it's probably gonna be the most interesting thing Warner Brothers animation has done with, with their classic characters in a long time. Yeah. I'll give you that. I I'm kinda wondering if they'll talk about it because that's obviously they're gonna be doing Warner Brothers panels. You know, they're gonna I have Warner Brothers animation panels. I'm kind yeah. of wondering if that'll come up. Um, I would like to go to that again, being that it's in ballroom 20, <laughs> probably not going to get in. So, uh, but yeah, to kind of come back to the Scooby-Doo and kiss, I, I just, you know, this thing w was set up for 6 PM in hall H. It's the last thing in hall H on Thursday. How much Jeez. you want to bet that there ain't going to be nobody in there. I mean, there's there's going to be some people that are going to be there to see Kiss. Big fucking I don't know, deal. No, because there are, you know, you, how many, you know, you've got a whole new generation now. You know, you you've got people like us who grew up on Scooby Doo, who have had kids now. Yeah, and they're going to have their kids. Like I, you know, I can't and will not speak for my buddy Steve Megatron, but my buddy Steve Megatron, who started Geekcast Radio Network with me. He has his son watching almost all the old Transformers cartoons, except for Beast Wars, probably. But he has Bless his him. son watching, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff and whatever else. He's watching, you know, the the new Transformers cartoon series, Transformers: Robots in Disguise, with his son. Yeah. So you 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 don't know. I mean, yes, Kiss fans are probably going to show up, but yeah, I, I think it could be a meld of both. Yeah, I I just I don't know. It's I, I see it, and the first thing that comes to my mind is. Family Guy with their Christmas episode and Kiss Saves Christmas. Oh. Uh, I, I know, I know. Okay, Ugh. but that's what that's what comes to my mind is that, and and I'm just like, I'm cringing inside as to the thought of this film, you know, this movie or whatever it is that's coming out is going to be. So mm -hmm. that said, moving on. 
I mean, good lord, I'm not even halfway down the page. I'm not even to the Scooby-Doo thing yet. I'm at 1 p.m. There's so, like, people, yeah. you cannot, cannot expect to even go to one day of San Diego Comic-Con and do everything in that one day. It's impossible. Yes. There is so much stuff. Which, that brings me to a point that I'm going to make. Plan to have a couple of different things you want to see probably happening at the same time because if you can't get into hall H, which is a very real possibility, what else would you like to see or do? If you can't get in to see, you know, ballroom 20, what else would you like to see? And, and the plus with this is that a lot of times you may get into a smaller panel in a smaller room that you weren't expecting to enjoy at all. And you get something that you would never have seen in a million years that, Tickles your fancy. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, that actually happened. God, it happened probably seven or eight years ago. Uh, very first time I took my wife to Comic-Con. She went with me. We went into the Quick Draw panel. And for those who don't know, Quick Draw is they, they get three cartoonists up and they give them topics. They throw random topics at them and they have them create things like what would it look like if SpongeBob SquarePants and uh, Yakko Warner had a baby? Okay, yeah. and they meld these they meld these cartoons, or they have to have they have a guest who comes up and has to try and guess a word that they're drawing, a concept that they're drawing. Uh, typically, in the past, they've had people like well, Sergio Aragonis is almost always on this panel. Uh, Scott Shaw of Oddball Comics is on the panel almost every year. Right. Uh, and then they'll usually have, they'll pull in people like uh, Floyd Norman or Jeff Smith who draws Bone. Uh, they'll, they'll come in and they'll do something. They'll put it all together. It is probably one of the best panels I see every year. And my wife has insisted that we go to it this year. So that is on my docket. <laughs> what day is that? I believe it's Saturday. Uh, okay. it, do they have, now I know you mentioned at the very beginning you were lucky enough to get all five days, tickets for all five days. Yes. Do they have daily admission tickets? Yes, they okay, do. The, the, the reason why I ask, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll let you say what all that info is in a second, the reason why I ask is because right now, if I was in the San Diego area, staying at your house, whatever else, the only panel I am super interested in to see on Thursday is Comixology, Ask Me Anything. Yes. At 2.30 p.m., Comixology, the revolutionary cloud-based digital comics platform, spills the beans on everything you've ever wanted to know about digital comics, publishing life, and more. From how to publish your own comic on Comixology, submit to how to begin your own successful startup, just like Comixology co-founders and panelists David Steinberger, uh, Comixology CEO, and John D. Roberts, director of Comixology Submit. Moderated by Comixology's marketing maven, Chip Mosier. Uh, this panel will answer all your burning questions in a no-holds-barred Q&A of epic proportions. That's a panel I would want to go to in the afternoon. That's the one thing so far on, on Thursday's list that I would really love to attend. Yes, and that's the sort of stuff that you plan for. But if you can't get into that, maybe you're stuck and maybe you have to sit through another panel in order to get to see that. 
Uh, but you may pull up and get I, something like. I just need to, you know, pull out, you know, a, you know, a few droids and fur bots, really. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> now that I've said all of that, that that would be the only panel in the afternoon that I would be really interested in, right below it, at the same friggin' time, Looney Tunes Legacy, Linda Jones and Ruth Clampett on the life and art of animation. See? Oh, <laughs> my God. And, and this is a problem because <laughs> they're in two different rooms. It's, <laughs> it's incredibly hard to make that decision. And the worst part is, is that Room 8 and Room 24 ABC are on completely opposite ends of the friggin' building. <laughs> so there's no possible way that you can run back and forth between the two of them, even if you were lucky enough to be able to get in and out of the same panels. Uh, it's just, I mean, there, there is... You kind of have to pick and choose and say, okay, you know what, I'll, I'll suck it up and I'll miss this one here to see that instead. Uh, yeah, or I could just, you know, clone myself and go into both. Yeah. <laughs> but there are so many things that... And we're only talking... I'm only talking about stuff on Thursday at this point, folks. I haven't, We haven't even gotten to Friday, Saturday. And let's face it, Sunday, there's not that much going... I, I don't know. I haven't, I'm not yeah. back up to the top of the page yet. But I'm just saying, usually Sunday for cons is like everybody's getting ready to pack up and leave. Yeah, and that brings to mind something else on Sundays. Here's a problem. Ballroom 20, which normally holds a couple thousand people, mm-hmm. is closed on Sunday. There is nothing going on in Ballroom 20. Guess what happens to that several thousand people that were in Ballroom 20? <laughs> they hit the exhibit hall floor. Uh-huh. Uh, it is... Sunday is probably the worst day to try and walk the exhibit hall floor. A couple reasons for it being that vendors are trying to get rid of stuff because it costs them to pay to ship it back. Mm -hmm. The big studios like Warner Brothers and Sony and whatnot, they're trying to give away all their crap because, again, they don't want to ship it back. Mm -hmm. All these freebies, they're like, here, take it, get rid of it. You know, so you've got all these people that are walking around Stuff is getting handed out left and right. People are lining up. The floor gets crazy. People are trying to make these last-minute buys of stuff that they missed. You know, they're they're planning out with, oh, I've got this last, you know, 50 bucks or something that I want to go buy this item. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's nuts, okay? Mm-hmm. Be prepared for that. Yep. If you can, and there are panels that you want to go into for that day, go find them, enjoy the panels instead. That's probably the best advice I can have for you. Or even step outside of the con. Look around right outside. There's stuff that goes on out there. Even if you don't have a badge, if you're in the San Diego area, you can walk in and interact with a lot of the things that are outside going on that are free. Mm. Uh, you know, Last year they had a, a, an Assassin's Creed thing that they had set up outside. And you were able to basically do... Uh, God, was it parkour? Running mm. around on this Assassin's Creed... Thing. They had a uh, HGTV showed up and they had a uh, thing one year with Frank and Weenie. I, I know. Again, <laughs> don't get like, me wrong. I love watching HGTV. I love watching House Hunters and all that kind of stuff. But like, <laughs> seriously, HDTV at San Diego, comma, con. Come on. What yes. the hell? Yes. So, I mean, you get. You get crappy stuff like that. Uh, 
But all that said, there are things that, you know, I'm dying to see. I, I am looking forward. Let me run over my, my big things that I, I want to see for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Okay. Okay. Thursday. Uh, I am going. I want to go see. I want to drag my wife into the Indigo Ballroom at Marriott next door. They're having a voiceover celebration. Uh, this is going to be, if I can find it here on my list, uh, the voiceover celebration at noon. Noon voiceover. Here we go. Voiceover celebration with beloved cartoon, video game, and film voiceover actors. This has got uh, Susan Eisenberg, Rob Paulson, Caitlin Glass, Anthony Bowling, Tara Platt, Yuri Lowenthal, uh, all doing some of their characters. And this is, it's basically just kind of a piece of how things are put together for voices, for cartoons, for movies, for video games, all this sort of stuff. And you get a chance to see it, how quickly they have to pull it off. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I'm dying to see Rob Paulson because he's one of my favorite voice actors. I mean, the man, the man does Yakko Warner. He does uh, Dr. Scratch and Sniff, um, uh, Mighty Max. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's so many of them. I, I'm just trying to rattle off a few that he's done. Uh, you know, but to see that, and I'm sure that they're going to have other... This is the other great thing is that when you walk into these, a lot of times, a lot of the voice actors are sitting around in the front because mm-hmm. they know the people that are there. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I actually bumped into D Bradley Baker last year. Uh, my wife saw John. Oh God. Delancey. No, the guy who does the voice of uh, Bender. Ben DiMaggio. Thank you. John DiMaggio. We, we saw John DiMaggio standing outside Rob Paulson. She's like, Hey, I recognize these people and they're all just mm-hmm. standing around bullshitting. Fred Tattashore. I got a picture of Fred Tattashore and met him uh, last year. And it was just, I happened to be standing there and I happened to see him. I'm like, oh shit, that's Fred Tattashore. That's the Hulk. That's the voice yeah. of the Hulk. Yeah. You know? See, see, with D. Bradley Baker, did you get any, like, did you get a second to even say hi to him? Well, yes and no. The, the reason why I asked it was the first thing you should have said is, where's Perry? <laughs> well, <laughs> funny you should mention that because afterwards, after I saw D. Bradley Baker, he was actually signing for a Phineas and Ferb panel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I got his autograph for my niece, which I still have yet to give it to her. It's been a year. <laughs> you're, you're hoarding the <laughs> autograph. I see it. Uh, no, it's signed. It's signed to Isabella because that's my niece's name. Uh, uh. And Allison Stoner was very nice when she was there. She signed it. What you doing? You know, uh, but, you know, D. Bradley Baker was he was nice enough to. He was nice enough to talk to me for a minute while he was signing it. And, you know, I was able to thank him for all the voices that he's done. Uh, you know, but you see people like that that are just kind of standing around and you don't even recognize them until later on. Two years ago, what was it? Two years ago when they had Avengers, my wife and I are walking around on the floor and I see a guy and I'm looking at him and I'm going, wow, that's a really nice Loki outfit. Guy hasn't done right. Guess who it was? It was Tom Hiddleston. Yes. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. You know, it's like afterwards, I'm like, 
No, because I like people were walking up to him going, "Are you Tom Hiddleston?" He's like, "People tell me I look like him." <laughs> and, and it was just like that, and we're like, "Oh shit, whoa!" You know. And, and after we walked away, I'm like, "Holy shit, that was Tom Hiddleston." <laughs> uh, you know, and, and that's the thing is, walking around on the floor, you'll see people that you'll run into. I I actually bumped into Seth Green, and I I know I told the story last year. I'm going to tell it again. I made a complete ass of myself. Because I was trying to rush up an escalator and Seth Green was in front of me trying to take pictures of somebody dressed as Strawberry Shortcake. Me, I go, God damn it, all these fucking people standing around here, they need to just get on the escalator and go up. Seth Green takes his picture and darts onto the escalator right behind me and my wife turns around and she goes, that was Seth Green back there. And I turn around and I go, where? And he's standing right behind me and I'm like, and I know that he heard my comment of, God damn, people need to just keep moving. All as I can think of with this story, that kid is on the fucking escalator again. <laughs> yes, yes, and that's that. You know, that's the sort of thing that you know. Oh God, uh, which, by the way, that is another thing. Since I know I've kind of wandered off of the topic of what we were going to see, uh, that is another big one that I'm going to be focusing on. Kevin Smith is has already said Friday night he will be back in San Diego. He will be in Hall H. This time around, he's going to be talking about his daughter's acting career, actually. Uh, He is going to be talking about Yoga Hosers, uh, which will have uh, his daughter, Harley Quinn Smith, and Johnny Depp's daughter in it. And so they'll be talking about that. And he's supposed to be talking about Mall Brats, which is going to be the sequel to Mall Rats. So I, I'm wanting to see that. I don't know if it's going to be good or not, but we'll see. You know, I'll just kind of chalk it up to that. At least they didn't call it Mall Rats 2. Yeah. You know, it wasn't it wasn't Clerks 2, although Clerks 2 wasn't too bad. No, Clerks 2 wasn't too bad, but I, I don't know. I just it's just one of those things like Kevin Smith said like five years ago or like right after he finished Red State or whatever the hell else or, you know, stupid uh, cop land or whatever the hell cop show movie yeah. he did. He said he was done with the Viewisk universe. He said, you know, Clerks 2 was the ending to the story. Because if you look at the film, and I know we're taking away from the comic, but if you look at that, the end of that film, it comes full circle for Randall and Dante. Dante especially. I mean, he wasn't even supposed to be there today. Yeah. But, you know, it's just one of those things where I don't know if I need to see a Mallrats 2 or a Clerks 3. Yeah. I don't, like, I, I would really love to see Kevin Smith go back and do Chasing Amy again. I would love to see if, like, I would love to see those characters in that setting of that film, what they are doing now. More so than seeing a third Clerks, like, how are you going to do a third Clerks movie with the, the way you ended the second one so damn well? Well, and my question, too, is, you know, are, are we going to see, you know, are we going to see Ben Affleck showing back up? Because I know that Kevin and Ben have kind of been on the outs. I'm Batman. Yeah, no exactly. You know. Warner Brothers in DC, I don't think will allow Batman to just go and do... and. Another piece of geek media news, considering, uh, you know, uh, dealing with Batfleck, 
Um, this is more gossip than anything else, so it's not really Comic-Con related, but apparently, after 10 years, he and Gardner are done. <sighs> yeah. Just Yeah. It just goes to show you, folks, certain things just never last. Yeah. It's a shame, because she's, she, well, she can be pretty. <laughs> um, I know I've talked about that before, that she's got those cheekbones that if she's smiling, she looks very cute and very attractive, and if she's not, God help you. She is not the most pretty and photogenic person. <laughs> uh, moving back to Comic-Con, though, just so we can kind of close out some of the stuff. Obviously, I've mentioned yoga hosers. Uh, some of the other things that I am dying to see will be the quick draw. My wife has already said she wants to see that. And immediately following quick draw on Saturday is one of my absolute favorites. There is a two-parter on this, Cartoon Voices 1 and Cartoon Voices 2. And I recorded some of this panel last year. I'm going to try and do it again this year. I'm going to take my my the Zoom recorder. We had, last year, they had, God, I forget who all it was, but uh, Bill Farmer was in the audience at one point, and uh, Mark Evanier pulls him up on stage and has him reading from the script with the seven dwarves. And these guys all know what the seven dwarves are. And basically it's, it's them sitting around a table doing a cold table read. They don't know what exactly the lines are that they're supposed to be saying. And they read them as different characters. They just go off and they feed off of each other. And it just gets better and better and better every year. Uh, so it's kind of like that Emerald City Comic Con Star Wars Episode Four thing with Tara Strong and Kevin Conroy and Rob Paulson reading the script. From yes, it is in, exactly in like the, that. Yeah, you know, it is exactly like that. Uh, it's you know the story because it's always like they'll they'll do Cinderella or they'll do uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves or Sleeping Beauty or something like that, and it's a very generic, boring script. We all know what happens but they managed to pull it out and just make everybody laugh. Uh, my wife saw it. And when I first told her, I said, we have to sit through this. She's like, Oh God, do we really? Yes, we really do. And then she sat through it and she goes, Oh my God, this is absolutely hilarious. And now that is like one of her things that she has to go see every year. So I'm looking forward to, to that for sure. Those are my big things. Uh, like I said, the voiceover celebration, yoga hosers, quick draw, cartoon voices one and two. Those are my big things that I have to go to. I, I wouldn't mind going to see the Big Bang Theory stuff that's going to be happening on Friday. Uh, you know, the Simpsons stuff would be nice. Once Upon a Time would be nice. But it's not critical if I miss it, you know. Yeah. I See, that's the thing. It's like, I, I want... If I'm going to go to this, like, you know, let's just say, for example, in some sort of, you know, cool fantasy world or something where Kim Basinger is an animated character. Um, God, that was such a hard Oh, movie. God, you um, had to pull that out and mention that. <laughs> you know, you know, say we both, you know, got tickets for all five days and I'm only going to use the t I don't really because I'm not going to have any extra money to buy anything. If I ever went to San Diego Comic-Con, my money would go into the tickets and the airline and all that stuff directly. You know what I mean? That kind yeah. of thing, because I'd have to travel for it. I'm not going to have any extra money to buy anything. So I don't really care about walking the floor unless it's going to be filled with the voice actors or the celebrities that, you know, 
that well, show autographs, kind of that kind of thing. So for me, I would want to plan each day with the panels that I most want to see. And if it all possible, it can't be two panels happening at the same time, obviously, unless I work out that cloning thing. Um, you know, so, I, you know, there's so much stuff. Oh, yeah. On this year. There really, really is. I'm really surprised that there isn't, to my knowledge, there hasn't been any super huge 30th anniversary for uh, Back to the Future, for Breakfast Club, or hell, To Live and Die in L.A., but that's kind of obscure. Not a lot of people remember that movie. Some of us do. Not a lot, though. Um, You know, I'm really surprised that um, what the hell was I saying? I don't even remember. Well, just... you were you were talking about you were mentioning thirtieth uh, uh, anniversaries. Yeah, yeah, thir- yeah, thirtieth anniversaries, and I, you know, you would think like with all the stuff that we have in these five days or well, four for most people, but you know, you would think with all the panels and everything that they would be celebrating thirtieth and twentieth anniversaries or twenty fifth anniversary. I can't believe it's been tw- not that this is going to happen at Comic Con, but I can't believe this November will be the 20th anniversary of Money Train with Wesley and Woody. Good like, God! Wow, I love that movie. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> well, to 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 give a little bit of of uh, uh, speech to that, there is every year Geek Magazine does a does like a 30th or 20th they always talk about the best year the greatest the greatest year ever this year they are doing a class of 1985 the greatest geek movies of don't forget about us that's happening on thursday from two to three in room five ab uh they are going to be discussing things like back to the future life force breakfast club goonies clue legend uh, Commando, Weird Science, uh, Fright Night, and of course, the one that you mentioned, Robert Burnett, just for you, to live and die in L.A. <laughs> wow. uh, so yeah, they're, they are mentioning that. Uh, they're going to be also talking... No one... D- okay, outside of a few random people, no one in my life has really ever heard of that movie. Like, seri- like, seriously, the only reason why I even know about it is because back when I was a teenager, I think, 13, 14, 15, somewhere around there, I had read the book, and then I had heard the Wang Chung song. And then I figured <laughs> out, then I figured out, holy crap, the dad from Fear with Reese Witherspoon and Mark Wahlberg, is it Mark Wahlberg? Yeah, it yeah. Mark Wahlberg. Uh, I was like, holy crap, the dad from Fear is the guy in... CSI and live and die. Holy crap. That's William Peterson. Holy crap. Mm-hmm. What the hell is going on here? Um, it's just one of those things now. And I know I've derailed this so far, but what I find in watching a lot of old television now, cause I'm constantly, I, I'm basically, um, I really have a lot of old man itis in me. I constantly watch reruns of diagnosis murder now, and we are getting to a point in the diagnosis murder show where Harry Lennox shows up, people that may or may not know Harry Lennox. He was uh, the commander in The Matrix, the third Matrix movie. He is also currently starring as Harold Cooper in The Blacklist as an FBI agent. Um, (laughs) 
this guy is essentially playing that FBI agent, the same kind of character on Diagnosis Murder from the friggin' 90s, the late 90s, and he looks so young. It always really surprises me. Going my, my, my point here, like with William Peterson, everybody's seen him in CSI Vegas. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows Grissom. Go back, watch To Live and Die in L.A. in 1985, and you will see a completely different William Peterson. I believe that one. <laughs> Um, I, I know we've kind of touched on a lot of the panels that we were focusing on. I do want to give just a quick shout out to the autographs because I am dying to see some of these. Okay. Before you do, I just have to, we just have to pimp this last thing out. Um, my quote unquote good friend, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Yes, please um, do. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Uh, on Twitter, I first found this amazing, uh, doctor of psychology when she was on the geek girls podcast a number of years ago, she was talking about bullying. This is Dr. Andrea Letamendi, clinical psychologist to the superheroes, superheroines, and all those other people. Um, she is a Comic-Con geek nut. She is doing, uh, five panels this year at Comic-Con first panel that she's going to be doing is the science of science fiction. This is Thursday, July 9th, 8 to 9 PM room five AB for science fiction productions. There is uh, an implied bargain between screenwriter and the audience suspend your disbelief on one or two fantastic notions. And the rest of the story will be grounded in the believable. The genre is in essence uh, predicated on the expectation of one or two key inaccuracies per story in recent years, though, experts and fans alike have been nitpicking even the main story conceits of films like Gravity and Interstellar. So this is going to be, uh, the panel will be moderated by Kevin Grazier, Ph.D., uh, science advisor for Defiance and Battlestar Galactica, and will feature psychologist Andrea Letamendi, Ph.D., and Jessica Kale, Ph.D., as well as Kevin Murphy and various other people. So the science of science fiction, that sounds really interesting. Yeah, I I look I look forward to stuff like that. It's because you get that you get the geekiness of it. You get a chance to see, you know, it's they do they have done in the past one called Starship Smackdown, which I used to I, I loved because they'd throw things like the Star Trek you know Star Trek Enterprise up against a Star Destroyer, an Imperial Star Destroyer, and say who would win and why. And they're focusing on things like. Oh, well, the Star Destroyer would have all the little TIE fighters that would be coming out as well, you know, versus the Enterprise, which would only have the phasers and and, and photon torpedoes and such. Her second panel is Push Boundaries Forward, Gender, Diversity, and Representation in Comics. This is Friday, July 10th, 10 to 11 a.m. in Room 4. That's going to be interesting. Uh, the next one she's got is Building the Modern Superheroine, Friday, July 10th, 6 to 7.30 p.m., 2.6 A.B. Um, and then the other two that she has, one is Why Comics Are Good for Mental Health and Mental Health is Good for Comics. This is Saturday, July 11th, 11, to 11 a.m. to 12 noon in room 25 A.B.C., Um, this one is really cool because this is, you know, really catering to what she does. She is one half of the Arkham Sessions team with with Brian Ward from Shout Factory, and the Arkham Sessions podcast is by far the best Batman review podcast, Batman animated series review podcast I've ever heard. 
And I used to listen to a really, really good podcast about the DC anime universe. And I actually ran a few myself, but this, they, Brian and Drea really make you think, they go episode by episode of Batman, the animated series. They've had several different, um, special episodes and stuff like that. Um, and the final one she's got is uh, The Psychology of Star Trek versus Star Wars, Episode 5. Uh, geeky psychologist Dr. Andrea Letamendi, The Arkham Sessions, and Dr. Ali Matthew, The Psych Show, step into the pop culture ring to debate the psychology of teamwork, rebellion, and galactic war. Analysts include Robert Meyer Burnett, uh, Tom Zaylor, uh, Concetta Parker, uh, and Amy Ratcliffe. Uh, join us aside, join aside, but remember, phasers, lightsabers are not a match for this battle of wits. Um, <laughs> and this is going to be refereed by Brian Ward himself. Uh, they are also, Brian and Dre are also going to do a Arkham Sessions meet and greet Sunday, July 12th, 11 a.m. to 12 noon, uh, in the small press pavilion, table zero or oh, table 004. Okay. Uh, so that's that pretty cool. Um, yeah, I just, you know, I just had to pimp out their stuff because it, it, though outside of like the fan panels that we've already talked about that we really want to see because we're fans of that stuff, the panels that she does just are going to make your brain synapses fire on all cylinders. And and these are the sort of things when I was talking about sit through some panels that you may not necessarily want to sit through mm-hmm. because you may find something really interesting. Or even if you miss out on the big Hall H panel, something like this, like the science between Star Wars versus Star Trek, right there, it's it will blow your mind for what it has. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you won't be disappointed. You won't go, well, that was an hour wasted. By sitting mm-hmm. through that panel. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. Uh, so, real quick, like I said, I wanted to mention some of the autograph sessions that I am really looking forward to. Uh, obviously, a lot of them are... There are typical people who are there every year. Uh, you know, Richard Hatch from Battlestar Galactica. No, not Survivor, Mike. Battlestar Galactica shows up. Aaron hey, Gray. I was not a Battlestar fan, thank you. I know. I draw the line at Star Wars, damn it. Well, Aaron Gray from Buck Rogers in the 25th Century and Silver Spoons will be there. Uh, she's been there a couple of years, and we, you know, my, my family's actually met her. She's very, very pleasant. Uh, Lee Merriweather from the original Batman 66 version, or Batman the movie, is going to be there. Uh... Lalo Alcaraz, who is the cartoonist for La Cucaracha. Um, One of my favorite actresses, voice actresses. She does the voice of Jimmy Neutron. Debbie Derryberry will be there. Uh, I I really, God, I've got to try and talk to her and some of the others that are going to be there and see if I could possibly swing an interview at some point. I would, God, I would love that. (laughs) Yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, But, you know, Debbie Derryberry, E.G. Daly. Uh, for those who don't know E.G. Daly, well, her on-screen credits, biggest thing that she's probably known for is being Pee-wee's girlfriend in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. But 
everybody knows her doing the voice of Tommy Pickles in Rugrats. Or Buttercup on Powerpuff Girls. There's another she one. <laughs> also was a contestant on NBC's The Voice for one season. Really? Yep. I did not know that. I will have to ask her that if I get a chance. Uh, but yeah, she's going to be there on Thursday. I'm looking forward to, pot to meeting her if I can. Uh, who else did I see here? There was, well, like I said, Debbie Derryberry, uh, Nancy Cartwright. Uh, you probably, you guys probably don't know the name. You know the voice that she's done. Nancy Cartwright is Bart Simpson. Uh, she's Bart Simpson. Who the hell are you, man? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's... That, and she also voiced Rufus, the naked mole rat on Kim Possible. That was her. Okay. I, I, I don't know why <laughs> I thought that was D. Bradley Baker that did Rufus, but that's fine. <laughs> no, that was Nancy. Yes. So Nancy has Nancy has been around uh, again. One of these people who has done thousands of voices and you probably don't even realize it until you meet her. And then you start hearing her do some of the voices, uh, you know, Nelson Muntz, Ralph Wiggum. Those are just some of the ones just from the Simpsons that she's done. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to those. Uh, who else did I have here? Um let me see. Yuri Lowenthal and Tara Platt, I've already mentioned. Uh, the cast of Gravity Falls with Alex Hirsch, they're supposed to be there signing. Uh, James Kyson, which I'm sure people are like, who the hell is that? Why does that name sound familiar? Mm -hmm. James Kyson was on Heroes, and he is returning for Heroes Reborn. So he's what? going to be there. You know what? I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to pray that it gets better. I'm going to pray that it doesn't it? suck. Like the wasn't he wasn't Heroes Reborn a DC thing? <laughs> it might be, and I, I'm kind of going. Mm. Uh, yeah. As why, we why is it? And, and I and I know it's not not everything is copywritten, but why is it every time I hear a, a title of something that used to be a title of something else, why is it I always here in my head when Jan Tom Bob Strikes Back, George Lucas is going to sue somebody? Yeah, <laughs> all I can think of is DC's going to sue somebody. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, also, there there are two other people who I would love to meet. One of them I already have. I would love to see Stan Lee again, provided that he makes it through and is actually out there. Again, going on, this will be going on next week, but it will be basically the day before this recording or day after this recording. So he might show up, he might not. Uh, the last big person that I want to get an autograph from I bought into his Exploding Kittens card game. This is the author of The Oatmeal, Matt Inman. Uh, I, I really am looking forward to meeting him. I, that, would be, that would be a great interview if I could get an interview with him. The guy is absolutely hilarious. I love his stuff. You know, he kind of hates cats, loves dogs. But the guy writes and does. He, he draws... He's not a great artist, and he admits it. <laughs> but the guy loves Tesla. He, you know, I mean, he he helped fund Tesla. The Exploding Kittens uh, game that he helped create has gone on to break all sorts of records on Kickstarter. Uh, I I actually have bought a copy, and I'm waiting for it to show up. I God, I wish it would show up before the Comic Con, but I know it won't. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's. 
it is going to be a blast, folks. This is this is going to be really interesting for Comic Con this year. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Obviously, we will be covering a post Comic Con here. We're going to go ahead and tie this all off, and we will see you after Con at this point. Uh, Mike, have you got anything you want to pimp out besides uh, the panels when that we've already done? Uh, this will be going up Wednesday, preview night. It will be going up on the 8th of July. Okay, so not to bring the whole show down or anything, but I figured I should pimp this out while I can. My Fundly account, my Fundly campaign, my mom's memorial campaign, my mom passed away almost two months ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, that has, by the time this airs, that will probably have something like 19, 20 days left to it. Um, I need help. I, I just need help. I need help with the bills. I need help with saving up to eventually move, all that stuff. I will give Doug the link. He can put it on the, on the episode post. Um, please donate what you can, if you can. If you can't donate, please share it with as many people as you can. Um, I'm kind of drowning since my mom passed away. We, uh, she never planned for life insurance. And by the time we started planning for life insurance, it was all too expensive because we're all, we were both on disability. Um, and I, I just need some help. I mean, yeah. So far I've got 10 donors who have donated a total of $325. My goal is 4,000, uh, on, 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 on the campaign page. But, um, if I had, let's say 800 bucks, I would be able to, do a whole bunch of stuff to get my life back on track. And I know people are probably going to comment and say, oh, why don't you get a real job, whatever else. And I'm disabled, people. I have a mild case of cerebral palsy. I have balance issues with my legs and my feet. I can't stand up at a regular job eight hours a day. I just just can't. Um, and all the sit-down jobs are like seven buses away from my house. Anyway, yeah. Uh, so there's that. As far as geeky stuff and cool stuff and non-depressing stuff, um, head on over to geekcastradio.com. Uh, a couple months ago, we did interview Samantha Newark, the voice of Jem from Jem and the Holograms. We've got uh, Cinema Geeks, which is our one of our movie podcasts. We've got Movie Week in Review, which is our other movie podcast. We've got The Pullbag, which is my comic podcast. We've got Showtime Synergy, which is our gem review podcast. We've got a whole bunch of cool stuff coming up and everything else. So just head on over to geekcastradio.com and just check it all out. We've got six six full years of voice actor, writer, uh, composer, singer, songwriter kind of thing, uh, producers, um, a few organization interviews. We've got voice actor interviews over the years. We've got two interviews with Rob Paulson. We've got two or three interviews with Tara Strong. I don't remember. Uh, we've got uh, an interview with John Glancy. We've got an interview with Meredith Scott. We've got an interview with um, Stan Bush a number of times, if you're in Transformers. Speaking of Transformers, we've got interviews with Greg Berger, uh, Dan Gilvezan. Um, we've got interviews with uh, Matt Hill. For those who may not know Matt Hill, he was the voice of Captain and the Game Master. Uh, speaking of Captain, we've got two interviews with Gary Chalk. We've got two interviews with David Kay. Uh, so just go check out geekcastradio.com. There's a ton of stuff over there. See, there you go, folks. So please listen to Geekcast Radio. Come back, listen to 
my generation. Uh, talk about my generation here. We do have, if you want to visit us out there on the web, we are at mygenerationpodcast.com. Uh, you can write us there, leave us comments on each episode. If you want to email us, you can email us at mygenerationpodcast at gmail.com. We also ask that you go out to iTunes and give us some reviews. Uh, I see that some people have liked have liked it and rated us five stars. Uh, I've got eight reviews so far. Well, let me let me restate that. Eight people have marked it as being uh, five stars. So I'm glad to see that. Only four reviews. So please, if you go by and you like it, write us a comment. I'm still waiting for somebody to give me a one-star review. So if you're out there, please give it. I will read it on the air here. I, I don't know why you want – I really – I don't understand this obsession of yours with a, getting a one-star review. I'm telling you, man, I've been doing this for – I've been podcasting since December of 2008, almost, almost seven full years of podcasting. My network has been online for six full years. I hate negative – Full-on negative reviews. I, 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 I do get angry at some of the critical, you know, critical criticism things, and that's fine. As long as somebody, you know, actually accentuates what they're saying, why they don't like what I am doing, that's fine. But if someone just writes on there, oh, this podcast sucks, they don't know what they're talking about. Well, how do you know? Because huh? every time I – no, seriously. Yeah, yeah, like, no, I know. Every time I read an iTunes review, the first question outside of sheer anger if it's a negative one – the first question I have in my head to that person that wrote that review is, how many episodes of my podcast have you listened to? Did you? And then the second questions are, would you know? Second and third question would be, did you start from the beginning, or did you know where did you start listening to the episode? Did you just listen to one episode because it was a top, like you know take Tunecast Classic? There's a hundred or so total episodes in that. Did you pick one out like episode eighty-two, which I believe was the Pinocchio episode? Or maybe you picked out episode 51, which was, I believe, Inspector Gadget. I, 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 yeah. You know, it, I want to know. See, this, this is why I wish iTunes and the reviewing system was, a, like, if one thing, and I know we're way off base here, but <laughs> if one thing with iTunes that needed updating when they brought on the app, the iMusic or the A Music or whatever the hell they're going to nickname Apple Music now. The one thing the iTunes platform needed to update was they need to go full on instead of like actually instead of actual reviews like submitting a review for a podcast or an album or a movie or whatever. Specifically podcasts though. The podcast part should essentially be like Facebook commenting. Honestly, it should yeah. be threaded. Where if you write a review of a podcast, then that podcast producer can go on there, read the review, take it in stride or, you know, blow a gasket and then come back a little later and write. You know, they tried this whole, what was it? Uh, iTunes tried a few years ago, something called ping. And that <laughs> didn't really work out. No. Um, but it's one of those things where I wish iTunes was a little bit more interactive because once I read a negative review, if it's, you know, if it's a negative review that has constructive criticism in it and flat out tells me why they like my show or why they don't like my show, I would love to be able to respond to that person immediately. Yeah. With, without having to – there's certain shows over the years that I've had. Like like I said, Tooncast Classic ended um, in 
2011, two years after it started. It took two years to get to 100 episodes. Some guy last year just wrote a review saying, oh, these guys need to fix their audio. How are we – in 2014, when the show has been <laughs> offline for three years, how are we supposed to go back and fix that audio? I mean, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> it's one of those things where my whole point here in, in talking about this is I wish iTunes and, and the reviews and the podcasting thing was a bit more interactive so it, we could have a discussion Yeah, whatever. You know. Yeah, you know, anyway, I mean, sorry. The, the ones that I've gotten, the, the only quote-unquote negative review, if you want to call it that, was constructive – the guy did say that we had mouse clicks going on. Yeah, we've resolved that issue. You, you probably guys, you guys probably don't hear the mouse clicks going on anymore. I try my best. Yeah, when when I'm not talking, I go on mute, and I because th- this whole time I've had to look up certain things. I had to look up and make sure I was correct on Stanley's age. I had to look up several other things. Yeah. So when you're talking or when you're going over the schedule and that kind of thing or whatever this episode specifically i always try to be on mute um that way nothing will get heard but sometimes like if i want to click off of something and refresh a page somebody might hear that but yeah i try my best not to do the mouse clicks and you know what It, it is what it is this is part of our podcast i could go through and edit it nitpick it little by little it's not worth the time and effort okay, <laughs> uh, I, so- I i you know I, don't get me wrong folks i love doing this but there is so much that i can do with the time that i have <laughs> okay so let me let me tell you a quick story and i know we're way off base oh yeah but we're you know we're, we're, we're at the point where we're talking about podcasting stories when i first started I, I would say i was a year in year and a half almost two years late 20 Late 2009, early 2010, I spent anywhere between five and eight hours straight editing one podcast episode because I wanted to go and get every single little thing and and just that wasn't our voices or what, you know, just everything that was a background noise and get it out of there. And since then, I've kind of learned it's like, hey, okay, sure, mouse click, fine, I get that, whatever. That can sometimes be annoying, but I try to talk a little bit louder over my mouse clicks nowadays. But anyway, it's one of those things where I just – as long as there's no real foul-ups in a podcast recording, I will just sit there and edit the beginning and edit the end of it to edit the silence out or to edit any any flubs out in the beginning. And then I will listen through it once – and then if there's anything small that I think should be taken out, I'll take it out. But uh, I don't spend five to eight hours. I, I do so many podcasts now. I can't spend five to eight hours on each individual one. <laughs> exactly. I would go crazy, people. Exactly. So since we have taken this train and completely <laughs> derailed it, had a huge, horrible fucking accident on the Amtrak. Las Vegas Comic Con 2016. No. <laughs> No, I'm predicting it right now. I'm, <sighs> I'm, I'm trying to invoke the spirit of Steve Megatron. My buddy Steve Megatron, who started the Geekcaster Network with me, he has this knack of predicting crap that comes true. He said something about a show that I liked. He said, oh, it'll end up getting canceled. A week later, the news came out that the fucking show got canceled. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, you know. rat bastard, quit, you know, quit rat fucking me. 
but yeah, I, I I don't want it to go only if only because I don't want to see people walking around in Vegas in 105 degree heat. You know, trying to do the costuming. So that's that's my only reasoning for not wanting it. Okay, so so let's look at this to bring it back around to Comic Con. If they ever leave San Diego. What is the ideal location for deodorant specialists and everybody else? What is the ideal location in the lower 48 states that Comic-Con could be held that's going to draw a lot of people? Honestly, there there's talk of it moving to L.A., which... It's still the same damn area. It's still the same damn state. I mean, it's yes. still the same damn weather. Here's Well, here's the thing. With, with L.A., it, it's, it's not... Vegas, where you've got the 105 degree dry heat and people dying in costume. Uh, this would be it would be closer to the movie studios. They could just pipe them right over and have them jump right over from, you know, Universal or Paramount Pictures or wherever they're filming. Just come right over that day. Uh, you know, that's part of the thing. Uh, you know that that's the problem is is that that's really the focus. Comic Con has moved away from the comics. Mile High Comics, who I, I am shocked because last year at the end of Comic Con, he didn't make he didn't make up enough to actually go to Comic Con last year. Yeah. Uh, so please, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna implore. I know Mike implored this for his. This is my little bit, my little wish as well. Uh, please go and buy comics from Mile High Comics, MileHighComics.com. Uh, Chuck Rosansky is probably one of the best comics dealers out there make it make comic-con a little bit more about comics again spend some money at his booth spend some time there uh his daughter rowan is is absolutely on point knows the business chuck is he he is he is probably the biggest proponent of comic-con and he he is having a very hard time returning uh if I, I, he's he's already said, if he does not make his money this year, he won't be coming back because yeah. he he can't afford to take another you know twenty thousand dollar loss. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, you're right. It is kind of not about comics anymore. It's about media geek media items at this point. But they're looking at that schedule tonight. There are a lot of comic things. The Image Image Comics has like three or four panels there this year. Oh yeah. Um, you know, uh, there's a lot of panels about drawing comics or writing for comics or, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, you know, just look at the ones that uh, Andrea Letamendi is going to be at. I mean, you know, I don't want to. I don't want us to sit here and say that the comics are essentially gone from Comic Con because they really. Aren't I? I will. I will. I will agree to a certain point that comic vendors at Comic Con has kind of disappeared because oh, yeah. it's only, it's only because as you already said it's way too expensive and you're not gonna make your money back. Yeah. So I, I implore anybody who does go, please buy comics. Please keep it going. Even if you buy stuff through Comicsology, you know, do that. Spend your money there. Get some comics. Keep it alive, or else. All it's going to be about is pop culture crap. Uh, that's my that's my two cents. That's my soapbox. I think we'll go ahead since, like I said, we've derailed this train enough. <laughs> uh, we're going to go ahead and end it now, and we will see you in a week. Let you know post Comic Con what we saw, what we thought was interesting, and basically go from there.
Have a good night, folks.